0: How are y'all? That good, thank you. I got one person that's doing good. Two, all right, we're working our way up. Three, all right, thank you. Um, Thank you, Pete, you're a true friend. Um, Where's Kevin? How much time do I have? 25 minutes, minutes. all right, I'll do the best I can. Um, Let's pray and then we'll get started. God, we do thank you for being here with us, Lord. I pray that you give us hearts that are open to what you have for us, Lord. Help our ears to hear what you have for us. But help our eyes to be open to what you want to show us. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Gene Beckner. I'm the care pastor here at Brookwood. Um, been here for about 14 years. Uh, before that, I was a high school teacher, English teacher, journalism teacher. I was an administrator. Uh, was also a football and a basketball coach. And so I'm familiar with uh, high school stuff. So hopefully what I say, will kind of you'll be able to relate to. Um, I appreciate Kevin giving me an opportunity to speak Um, he usually gives me the hardest thing every time I've noticed that pattern coming up so thank you Kevin I appreciate that yes Um, but you know last week if you were here last week you know that he talked about um, anxiety right and we took a look (laughs) that's that's my picture sorry let me back up and what I want to say to you about anxiety is the fact that as we talk about depression, it can be very similar in nature. Um, and I'll show you how that um, kind of connects. But I did want to show you a picture of some folks. I think you know who that is, right? Isn't he the new, what's he going to be? Ant-Man or Black Adam, Black Adam thank you. I knew he was going to be something. All right, so we know who the rock is. Who's that? It's Katy Perry right musician she's on American Idol ah yes she wrote all the Harry Potter books uh, extremely um, talented lady <laughs> not Lance Armstrong he's on bikes but I was close you know who it was I heard Neil Armstrong. not Neil Armstrong but you're close yes it's Buzz Aldrin who was an uh, astronaut Right, he actually ended up on the moon. Robin Williams was an actor, uh, comedian. Lady Gaga. All right, Dossie, you know them all, apparently. Okay, singer, actress. All right, we got one. All right, musician. He's also a writer, very successful. Chris Evans. Captain America, Lemmy Devoto, musician, also an actress, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, an Olympian, a very successful Olympian, probably the most successful, most decorated Olympian that we have. <clears throat> Lindsey Vaughn, also a very successful um, athlete. Adele, probably has the the most listened to album ever, Channing Tatum, Tatum, actor, very successful, Selena Gomez, Gomez. who? Prince Harry, Harry. okay. Now you're probably going to be able to guess why I showed you all those pictures. Yes, they're all very happy in their lives. No. Every single one of those people has spoken publicly about the fact that they struggle with depression. And you're probably sitting there going, wait a minute. How could they struggle with depression? They seem to have everything, right? Uh, Some of the people on that list are no longer alive, right? So what I want to say to you is that what you see on the outside is not always what's going on on the inside. And if you think, well, I don't know if that's true or not, think about yourself. Do you always let everybody know what's going on on the inside? No. We all keep it inside sometimes, right? And what I want to suggest to you is that if we can learn how to communicate with God about these things and with each other, I think our chances, if we are in a bad place, if we're in a rut that we won't stay there. So when Kevin talked about this last week, what I would say to you is the same pattern can exist for depression. Where if you feel depressed, you feel low, sometimes you have a tendency to avoid it and avoid people. You find something that gives you short term relief and then guess what happens? It comes back again. Sometimes you can flip between anxiety and depression and some people struggle with both. Okay, so if those things are happening, and I would echo what Kevin said last week, if these things happen, but God is a good God, and God is a God who loves us, then this has to work, or we're just coming to do this every Sunday for no reason whatsoever. You know, I heard someone who struggled with depression, a musician say one time, God, this Christianity thing has got to start working. And for some people, it feels like it doesn't work, right? If we can be honest, I'm a pastor, and there are times when it feels like it doesn't work. But the thing about the feels, as we're talking about that over the last three weeks, is it doesn't have to stay that way, right? Jesus came to give us hope. He gave us eternity. And so let's start learning how to tap into that, okay? Another way that I would say is that anxiety is the other side of the coin of depression and vice versa, So it's like flipping a coin, both sides are connected to each other because both of them have the same root. Now I would say to you that sadness is pretty normal, right? We all get sad about things. It's just if it continues and it lasts and it gets worse and you find that you're not doing well, then you may have shifted into something that's called depression. When I um, graduated from college with my um, undergrad degree, And I talked to a counselor one time. He said, you have what's called dysthymia. And I was like, what is that? And he said, it's a low level depression. He says, you never really get real low, he says, but you never really get excited about anything. He said, you just kind of stay on this meh level. And that was the first time anyone had ever really described that to me, and I wasn't saved yet. So I didn't know anything about Jesus, and I didn't really have a reason to feel good, <clears throat> even though I had graduated from college, because there was a lot of issues in my life, a lot of things that weren't resolved from my childhood and how I grew up. And then I started learning about the brain. and I started learning that our brain naturally creates things to make us feel better. Things, If you've heard these, if you heard the, the, these chemicals like dopamine, uh, you've probably heard about serotonin. Oxytocin and endorphins. And if you play sports or you really enjoy music, there's a chance that you've felt that euphoria before, or you just feel good, or you've had those moments where you belly laugh to the point where you're crying and you're just like, oh my gosh. And it usually happens when you're not supposed to be doing it, like now or in class or something like that. That's the release, that's a normal release of these positive chemicals. Those chemicals have a tendency when we get depressed to go down. And so we have a harder time kind of feeling like we can come back up. So I want to say that before we get started, that it is very normal to have down days, even a down week. But when it goes into months, then we know we're entering into a place where it's going to get harder to come back out of it. Going back to what um, Kevin said again last week, these areas that could cause anxiety or depression. And what I would say is the last one is probably the one that kills us the most, is comparison kills. Right? God made you unique, but if you continue to compare yourself to others, you will always find someone that's better looking. You're always going to find someone who can play that sport better than you. You're always going to find someone that's smarter than you. And so what ends up happening is if you base how you feel about yourself on how you line up with somebody else... You're, you're going to end up in one of two places. You're either going to end up at the bottom or you're going to be arrogant and think you're better than everybody and then you will meet that person who's better than you or better looking or smarter. And if you always compare yourself and you don't have your identity in Christ, you're going to have a hard time because it's going to happen. Proverbs 4 says this. <clears throat> it says, guard your heart. And again, I promise I'm going to have my own stuff but I am borrowing from Kevin because it was so good from last week. He says, guard your heart because above all else, for it determines what? The course of your life. So what I would say is a lot of times our hearts get hurt, right? I bet I go around this room and we've all felt rejected at one point or another, right? We liked somebody, they didn't like us back. Or we liked them but we never told them and then they started going out with somebody else and it crushed us. We didn't get into the class we wanted to. We didn't get into the school we wanted to get into. We didn't make the team, right? Absolutely, should I be disappointed about those things? Yes, we're all human, but here's what happens. How long does it last? And only you can answer that question. How long does the disappointment last, right? Does it go on and on and on? Or are you able to feel what you're feeling, ride that wave a little bit, and then move on to the other parts of your life that are good? And you say, well, Gene, I really don't have anything else going. I put all my eggs into this one basket and this girl doesn't like me or I didn't get into the school I was planning on. Well, maybe you should talk with somebody else before you put all your eggs in one basket, right? You don't want to give your mental health away to somebody else, right? It's okay to be upset about things, but don't give your mental health to somebody else. And that's what he's saying here, right? And let me say this. When it says guard your heart, it doesn't mean be defensive, right? Don't be, anybody seen the movie Elf? Don't be like the raccoon when he says, hey, do you need a hug? And the raccoon scratches him, right? Don't be a raccoon. But you do want to go, hey, should, should I be allowing everybody into my closest thoughts, right? Does everybody get access to what this is about? Because unfortunately, what happens is, is if, if you don't guard your heart and you allow other people in and you get hurt, sometimes you don't know what to do with the hurt, right? You ever been so angry that you didn't know what to do with it? And you may have done something stupid. I remember one time when I was um, ninth grade, my brother was uh, had just graduated high school, so he was four years ahead of me, playing basketball in the backyard, and he, um, he knew how to push my buttons. And... To be honest, I was playing well with his friends. They were older than me, and they were like, oh, you know, little Beckner knows how to play. And so my brother started talking trash to me, and he got under my skin to the point where I went in the house, and I kicked a hole in the wall because I was so mad. He started talking about my friends. Uh, the guy who came to fix it said, yeah, he said, your, your foot was about that far from being shattered because there was a 2 by 4 He said, if your foot hit that 2 by 4 you would have broken your foot. And, uh, and so what did my dad do? My dad came to me and he said, look, you can't let your brother get to you. And I'm like, you know, who in here has an older brother? Right? Good luck with that, right? If you're the older brother, then good luck with that too, right? But I let him get to me, right? I started learning as I got older that he was just doing that to get a rise out of me so he could win the game kind of thing. But I started learning, wait a minute, even though I wasn't a Christian, Hey, you don't necessarily get to, to see that part. That's earned, right? You you earn seeing what's in my heart. I don't just give it out to everybody just because... Now, here's the thing. If you don't feel accepted and you somehow feel abandoned, you will give your heart away to whoever's there. That's why a lot of kids get lulled into this thing online where they meet strangers, and the next thing you know, they're leaving their house and they're heading off to who knows where with someone they've never met before. It's because their heart was easily tapped into because what happened was somebody tapped into the thing that hurt. And then you go, oh, they care. Well, be careful because people know how to manipulate that. Just because I know what your hurt is doesn't mean my intention is always best. So start asking God, God, how do I guard my heart? Because if the issues of life flow out of it, how do I guard it? But I'm also open to people at the same time. It sounds kind of confusing but God will show the path, I believe. So this one is a very interesting scripture because I think it it plays into this feeling of depression. So it says, Cast down imaginations and every high thing that's exalted against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Well, what does that mean? <clears throat> Casting down imaginations and things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Have, and don't raise your hand, but have you ever felt... Um, like you didn't have any worth? Have you ever felt stupid? Have you ever felt rejected? Have you ever felt like nobody cares about you? Have you ever felt like you're just by yourself, right? We could probably raise our hand to every one of those things. Well, all of those things are imaginations. And you go, well, what do you mean they're imaginations? So imagine for a moment that you're at school and the person you like rejects you and you sob through lunch, and your stomach starts to hurt, and you decide to leave school early, and then you go home, you pull the curtains, and you just cry, and what kinds of thoughts start coming in your head? Well, nobody will love me. I'm no good. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm whatever. Go through all those things. All of those things are imaginations. God never said any of those things about you. And the person who rejected you probably didn't say those things, but you started to internalize that that was the truth. And here's a concept I want to introduce to you. Just because something feels true does not mean that it is true. Just because it feels true in the moment doesn't mean that it is true. For instance, if uh, if you're at home one night and you hear a loud crashing noise downstairs, and you go, "Uh uh-oh, someone broke in. Everything in your body will be on high alert, right? You grab a bat, you grab a gun, you grab whatever, and you're ready to fight whoever has broken in. Then you see that it's fluffy or scruffy or whatever animal you have at home. Everything in your body relaxes because you realize, oh, no one broke in. But if it's scream, then you see the guy in the mask, and then you're in trouble, right, if you've seen those movies. But that's See how quickly things changed when you saw the truth, when you experienced the truth, everything on the inside of you changed. Everything about how you felt changed because it wasn't true. It felt true in your heart, in your gut, but it wasn't true. Who who is the truth? Who who's the truth? Jesus is, right? And so like what what Kevin was talking about last week, what am I giving my focus to, right? Because if he's the truth, then I probably need to put my focus on him and say, Hey, Jesus, this sucks. This hurt. I feel rejected. I feel whatever you feel. Tell him what you feel, but then recognize that he's going to be the one who's going to start communicating to you in a way that's going to build you up and not tear you down. So... What are the imaginations that you allow to play in your head over and over? It's like it's it's like it's like on repeat. It's on a loop, right? Mine was always <clears throat> that I wasn't good enough. You know, growing up as the youngest of five, there was constantly a competition going on. And, and I was, you know, I always got the leftovers because I was the youngest. And so I always left with this feeling of I wasn't good enough. And so I was always trying to prove to other people how smart I was and how good I was. And the problem was, is I was burning up a lot of energy because I always needed approval from other people, right? And that's a dangerous place to be because what if you don't get the approval? Then you start feeling bad about yourself because people aren't accepting you. You might get mad and say they're not really a friend, right? You might turn against those people and not meaning to because in reality you feel lonely on the inside. You don't feel good. What I'm saying to you is, is that it's the thought that comes before the feeling. So when someone says to me, I can't help how I feel. I say, yeah, you absolutely can. And they're like, no, you don't understand. No, I do understand. And I'd be willing to listen to you tell me about your feelings. But if you can't control your feelings, if you say I have no control over them, then you have no hope right? Who, who in here is driving, right? You ever had a moment on Woodruff Road where someone pulled in front of you? What was, the, what was the feeling? I'm going to take this person out, right? But you didn't stay there, hopefully, right? What happened? You calmed back down. How did you calm back down? Because you thought through the process, and you realized, okay, they're gone now. Now, you may have still been mad, and you might have been like, dude, you almost wrecked my car. I can't believe you're an idiot. And you may do something stupid like pull up beside him and look at him like Kermit the Frog, right? Looking at him like, what are you doing? Um, but eventually it, it subsides, right? It's the same thing with, with being sad or being upset. We learn to take those thoughts captive and say, basically, what am I telling myself? Because here's what I would say to you. It's not the words of the other people. It's what you tell yourself. Because I can sit here all day long. Kevin can tell you. Your leaders in this ministry. Who by the way love you very much. Could tell you all day long how great you are. But what voice matters most? Your own. And so if you say. Well you don't really know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know. Then guess what? You have some imaginations that have to be torn down. You have some thoughts that need to be confronted. And look what it says. It says, take them captive to the obedience of Christ. Because you saying that you're not good enough, Christ will not allow that to stay. He will say, no, I'm going to show you differently. You're going to experience it differently. So on your, on your card... Where it says, God, I need, and where it says, God, thank you for. I don't want you to put anything down there now. You may have already put something, and if you did, that's okay. But we'll, we'll, um, you can add something to it later. But what, what do you really need from God, right, in, in relation to these thoughts and in relation to how you feel? Like, God, what, what do I need from you above all else? And it may be, I need to feel important. I need to feel loved. Um, I, need, I need to feel good about myself, right? Because he's going to be the source, not your circumstances, right? Your circumstances could change, but he's going to be the way and the truth and the light. I mean, in the life, right? So 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things. And I used the King James Version because I thought it sounded cooler. That thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions, right? So when you're prospering, that means things are growing. That means things are going well, right? Right? So your mind is in a good place and your emotions are in a good place. And it's interesting that what John is saying is, above everything else, and there's lots of things that he probably wished good upon people, he said, this is the thing I want you to experience above all. That your mind and that your emotions and your will are prospering. That you're doing well. Can you do well when your grades are low? Yes, it's not optimal, but can you can you prosper even if you don't make the team? Absolutely. We'd rather have it the other way, but why can't we prosper? There's nothing that says that we can't. You know, I'm 51 years old, so I'm three times as old as all of you, if not more. <clears throat> Trust me when I say that I have learned so much over the last 34 years that I wish I had known when I was at your your age and I wish I had known when I was there. But this was probably the one that I would probably hammer to every one of us tonight is to say, this is going to put you in such a better place than I ever was. I had to learn a lot of these lessons a very hard way. So what is, why did I put this up here? Because this is evidence that God is working in your life, okay? You don't have to make this happen. You don't have to work at these things. You have to let God work them in you, okay? So when you look at all those things, those are things that you can ask God, God, would you grow those things in me, right? It's, you can't, like you hear people say, oh, I just got to work on being patient. Good luck. What God will do is give you opportunities to see how you respond and then you learn from him how to be patient, how to have self-control, how to have faithfulness. And here's another way to look at this. If, If you went up to an apple tree, you wouldn't see the apple tree trying to make itself produce an apple. It would just produce. Why? Because there's a seed, right? A tree grows because there's a seed, these are the things of the Lord. So if you're frustrated all the time and you just you're cranky and you got a bad attitude and you're short with people and you're sarcastic and you're angry, guess what? There's no fr- there's no fruit. That's the fruit of your life. And you can't blame other people for it. But if you start going to the Lord, God, would you grow these things in me? Your posture will be different. Why? Because you're asking for help, right? Do you ever go to a teacher or ever go to a coach and say, hey, can you help me with this? Or do you just try to act like you know it all? Because if you try to act like you know it all, I guarantee you they're going to realize that you don't know it all. But if you say, hey, can you help me with this? They're probably going to help you. Do you think that God would not help you if you said, Lord, would you please grow these things in me? Right? And here's what's exciting is when those things start to grow, you know it was him and you won't take any credit for it. And those, if you had more of those things in your life, do you think you would be in a better place than you are today? I know I would. And I would pray that for all of us in this room. Now you're familiar with this, and we're kind of wrapping up here, but this is, this is what you guys have been focusing on over the last four weeks, right? Four weeks, three weeks. So what does it say? Don't worry about anything, instead pray. And then here's what I put on your handout. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Why is that important, do you think? Why do you think it's important to say, God, I need this, but I also want to thank you for this? What does that do to your, to your focus and to your heart? Does it soften things? Does it make you reflect maybe on good things? That God has already done, right? But if I'm always if I'm always just saying God, I need this, this, and this, and this, and I never thank Him, then all I'm ever doing is looking at what I want, right? But if all I, if I'm always thanking Him for what He's done, that's a good thing. But I also need to be able to say, Hey, God, this is something I need because God wants to show you that He is faithful. And then look what happens. You experience what. Say it out loud. What do you experience? Not even peace, but God's peace. I'm not talking about the peace when you get your paper back and you're like, oh, thank God I got this grade. Whew. Or yes, I made the team. Or yes, I made, you know, in the play or something like that. That's, that could be peaceful. But I'm talking about God's peace. Because look what it does. It says it's going to exceed your ability to understand it. And then looky, looky. His peace will do what? Guard your hearts. What did Proverbs tell us earlier? Guard our heart, because out of it the issues of life flow. Guess what? God says, I'll be the one that will guard it. And then lastly, an invitation from Jesus, really. And he says here, he says, hey, look, you come to me all you who got it together and everything's perfect. Is that what it says? No. What does it say? It says weary, heavy, burdened. And what does he say? He says, I'll give you rest. Does he say that you need to have it all together before you come? No. But a lot of people will say that you got to have it all together. But yet Jesus says here, The invitation is, hey, if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you feel burdened, if you feel the pressure of what's coming next in your life, you know, those of you that are seniors and you're headed off to college, the pressure of getting everything done before you head off and what that looks like, what's burdening you? What's making you feel kind of weary? And he says, look, I will give you the rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart. Don't you always want to learn from someone that's gentle and humble versus the person that yells or the person that screams, right? And then he says what? You're going to find rest for what? Your souls. Go back to 3 John 2. you come on up. What does it say in 3 John 2? Above all, I want you to prosper in your soul. Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you guys are going to have an, an opportunity to respond in worship as as Jacob and the team leads you through this last song. And uh, God bless you. And I pray for blessings upon you and upon your families and upon what's happening in your life. And if you ever have a need and Kevin's not available or you're, or you're this group of leaders is not available and you see me, feel free to grab me and say, hey, can I talk to you?